Hello, good old boys drinking whiskey and rye. Don McLean is a legendary singer and songwriter who is the mind and the performer behind one of the all-time great songs, American Pie. And he is touring the country right now in celebration of the 50-year anniversary of American Pie that is stopping in Austin this Sunday, June 26th. It's at the Paramount Theater. Still a few tickets left. You can grab those at austintheater.org. Don, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? Well, I'm just doing very, very well. Thank you for asking. It's my pleasure, Don. So uh, myself and a lot of other people are excited that you are including Austin in this 50th anniversary of American Pie Tour that uh, has taken you all around the country up to this point. Uh, First off, before we get into the specifics of the tour itself, have you spent any time in Austin? And if so, what are your impressions of this place? Uh, I love Austin. Um, I played there before. I also did my TV special there um, uh, which was called A Starry Starry Night, which starred um, uh, Garth Brooks and um, uh, Nancy Griffith. Uh, they were my guests um, at that very same theater, I believe. So, yeah, I had a very wonderful experience there. And uh, Terry Lacona is the one who produced that um, television special. And he and I go way back to when he used to be working at a little radio station in the Hudson Valley called W.E.O.K. when I was singing uh, in the Hudson Valley back in 1968 before he came and started Austin City Limits. Uh, And he he came to Austin because he loved Willie Nelson and uh, all the outlaw Texas boys. And so that's what brought him there. So I have, you know, I've been rambling for 50 years and I, I get to know a lot of people uh, from here, there, and everywhere. So, yeah, I've been to Austin. I like it a lot. I, I'd say Austin City Limits turned out pretty well for him, too, huh? Well, he's a wonderful steward of uh, American music and um, managed to get so many wonderful people on there. It's not an accident, you know, that something is a success. You have to devote your life to it, and I think he has. So for anybody who is planning on attending the show on Sunday or for somebody interested right now who can grab those tickets, a few left, at austintheater.org, what can people expect from you on Sunday night? Well, fortunately, there's YouTube, and you can see me and my band at uh, Stagecoach and Glastonbury in England. Um, We are a rock and roll group, and when we rock and roll, we rock hard. But I also sing with the piano and sit down and do intimate things with the guitar, like Empty Chairs or Vincent and I Love You So, things like that. Um, I've got many, many albums out, and uh, I have a YouTube channel now that uh, has over close to 500 tracks, you know, that people know and can hear, and all sorts of other videos and things on there that I've done in these last two years. Also, I want to say one thing there's now a children's book out called american pie a fable and that is available on amazon and everywhere books are sold and today we just announced the documentary movie the day the music died the story of don mclean's american pie which will be on paramount plus and it will it is a cbs viacom production it's an hour and a half and we're all very excited it's taken Again, during these two years, one of the things that we've been doing. 
and that comes out next month. And Don, nobody should be surprised by this because you're obviously a world-class songwriter and singer and performer, but you're a really good storyteller as well. And you didn't mention that the storytelling element is a part of the show that you are taking part in in Austin and throughout this tour. What's the key for you to a good story? Well, I don't say the same stuff every night. You know, I I do a different show every night. I have never in 50 years done the same series of songs more than once. Um, I do sing all the songs people want to hear, my famous songs. I would never not do that because that's why they come. But stories occur to me uh, because I've I've had a basically a, the life of a rambler, you know, and it hasn't been always playing fancy places. I play the highs and I play the lows and I have friends all over. And I've met people of every kind and seen everything traveling this country like I have. You know, I've seen Main Street in these towns all across the country. I don't just see the big cities. and I've seen the big cities. And I know a little bit about uh, economics because I I went to college for it. And um, I'm seeing now the fallout from printing four or five trillion dollars in two years just to basically keep the economy going uh, because the economy had to be shut down in order to save the human race pretty much from this horrible pandemic. So, you know, we're now going to pay the second chapter of what we're going to have to pay on this pandemic is coming down the, the line and you're going to see it in these small towns on Main Street and in the big cities with the homeless problem and and all the rest of this terrible stuff that's happening to people. People, So many people are uh, so close to being in the car with their children. I mean, it's, it's, it's awful. And I wish the churches, the Catholic Church and the Protestant churches would get together and help these people because you're going to need... So much of it soon, and they are God's people. These are the people that Christ talked about, the people who have nothing, the needy people. And, and these churches should be doing something because the government doesn't, they, you know, we even have a liberal government now. They're not saying a word about this. You know, they don't, they're more interested in gas prices, which, of course, they should be. No, as a matter of fact, California, which is a state that you currently live in, I believe, and is one of the more liberal states in the U.S., has really turned a blind eye, especially in Los Angeles and San Francisco, to the homelessness issue, and that's only exacerbated things, you know? It's going to get so much worse so soon. You know, these interest rates are going to go sky high so fast because you can, if the Fed is in the news and everybody wants to, you know, seeing this three-quarter of a percentage hike and, and saying they're going to do more of these. Oh, Lord, that's going to just, people are going to, and they know even the trailer park, the fees to have a trailer are going to be unable for people to pay those. And this is awful, you know, what's happening. I mean, I, I feel guilty, you know, actually being as successful as I am at the moment because of everything that's happening to everybody else. And um, I do have a foundation, which every I'm really working for that now in these years of my life, this last phase of my life, I should say, and that is, for the Don McLean Foundation, and everything I have is going to go to that. And it's going to give money and does give money to soup kitchens and homeless shelters and 
battered women's shelters and all these kinds of places where, you know, people who aren't so lucky, you know, uh, end up. And it's not it's not that hard to fall through the cracks, you know, and, you know, you have a drinking problem or your wife leaves you and you get depressed and you lose your job. And the next minute, you know, you're, you know, you're on the street. It's it's awful. It is heartbreaking for a lot of people out there. You just mentioned your successes. This current tour is in celebration of the 50-year anniversary of American Pie, which came out in 1971. You actually said that this song, and I guess people can understand this because it's one of the all-time great songs, it changed your life completely when it caught fire, but you actually handled it badly in that moment. Yeah. How did you handle it poorly? Well, I've been thinking about it. You know, actually the success kind of ruined my talent in a way because I was really on a very high level uh, of writing and in terms of what my standards were uh, during the, the the tapestry and the American Pie and even the Don McLean album, which, but I think that the attention being paid to me, and the and, and I, I I don't think there was any pressure. It was just the attention. I felt very uncomfortable. I think that it hurt my songwriting. I never really was the same songwriter after that. I wrote good things. I I, I had successful records, but. I didn't have the ability to concentrate uh, as I had had before. And um, so, well, that's the way it is. You know, I was, I was sensitive and I was to this stuff and um, it was very ugly. I mean, there were a lot of things that happened. Uh, I was married at the time and it caused the divorce to happen and um, it caused all sorts of, changes in terms of the way people you know perceived me and and the fact that they even cared at all was the thing that really i think shook me up there was too much attention um i remember elvis in his simple way you know he was the greatest star in the world he you know had reached everyone on the war on the planet and still is uh, he said it's it's real hard to live up to an image and I don't think I even had an image, but I understood a little bit about what he was saying. And my God, he was on such a different level. I mean, here we have this year, right? <laughs> there are are two uh, there are two biopics out: one on Marilyn and one on Elvis. Wow, that's a stretch, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, they're. <laughs> They need one of those, don't they? <laughs> well, it's unnatural for anybody to deal with that much pressure. I mean, you look at any child actor who makes it big. Oh, yes. Almost all of them, without oh, fail, end up with massive yeah. problems throughout the rest of their lives. But even for adults, it's something that is a difficult thing to grasp. And if I'm hearing exactly. you correctly, it, it sounds like there you put a lot of pressure on yourself to try and match the effort that you had with American Pie with everything else that you've done going forward. All that, you know, except you got to remember Ron Howard, who was a wonderful success True. Uh, coming from that whole thing. And he started when he was like three. So, <laughs> you know, but it very tough. I, I saw some interviews with poor uh, David Cassidy uh, near the end of his life when he was so clearly so troubled and and obviously drinking a great deal. And people were uh, there was one interview where they just sort of mocked him while he's, you know, in Australia or whatever, some jerk. And I thought, you know, don't, can't you see that this man is, is, is dying? He, he's crying right in front of you. 
and and you can't even be kind to him. People people really disappoint me sometimes. You know, uh, when you, you have a man down like that uh, to go and kick him. You know, um, hmm. it's why I say goodbye, cruel world, because it is a cruel world. <laughs> but you have to you have to protect yourself. You know, and one of the things that I did was I always lived uh, below my means, way below, mm. so that I, I and I grew, and, and, and I thought I'd be finished pretty much the next year after, after that Don McLean album came out. I, it was basically a study in what had happened to me, you know, because I kind of uh, invented a sort of confessional style of songwriting that nobody really ever did before, as well as other kinds of songwriting and you know, the American Pie type of a thing, which every song I do is different. And um, I don't repeat myself. Um, I like many different styles. I have many different personalities, actually, in a way. But, um, yeah, I, 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 after that was over, I, I, I had a house and I could pay the taxes. And I said, you know, you're, gonna, you're done. All right, you're finished. You're never going to. Uh, this is a nice moment. You made three really good records and you put out some good songs that people like. By that time, they had Castles in the Air, Anti Love You So, Vincent, American Pie, Dreidel, If We Try, songs from that album. I said, you did a, you did a nice job, you know, and let it go with that because you're done. <laughs> you're finished. <laughs> <laughs> and here it is 50 years later and another, you know, 25 albums and all sorts of songs that have we're not even going to talk about here, but many, many songs and things that have songs that have been written about me and awards and all this stuff. I never would have imagined that I would have ever lasted even past a year or two. Well, I think that speaks to not only your perseverance when you were thinking in that moment that this might be it for you, but also just the sheer talent you, that you possess. As you just said, your songwriting can't be pigeonholed into one particular style and you love exploring a variety of themes in the music that you've been making over the last 50 plus years now right. too. I, I even have a new album going to come out this year called American boys. And, uh, I was so, uh, really, I hadn't written songs in a few years and my, my guitar player, Vip Vipperman, who wrote the song 1982 for Randy Travis, uh, he's, he writes songs. And, uh, he said, you know, Don, I'm, you know, I've got a couple of songs here that I haven't been able to do anything with. Maybe you'd like to fool with them. So we ended up writing six songs together, and then I wrote another six songs. So we've got a, a dozen new songs on this album, American Boys. And um, it's a, funny because it's, it's actually a little bit of it is in this documentary movie, which has uh, been, been announced today. And we're so excited about that. I mean, that really took two years uh, to get this thing done, and it is good. And I'm think people are going to love it but um you know that's the kind of song that's like the beach boys song do you remember the guys that gave us rock and roll it's that kind of song you know uh whereas american pie is a whole different thing but um i never used american in a title in 50 years <laughs> until this but uh yeah i i just um i i'm amazed really um at the love that I, I, you know, I, I've been up and down and sideways in my life, but my my guitar, my songs, the love that comes back to me from the audience, the stories that come into the website about how "And I Love You So" was 
used for this and that wedding and empty chairs and you know American Pie my you know some little girl would say me and my dad would listen to it and now my dad's passed away and you know memories and uh, that's the beautiful thing about music is that it's not like a statue or a painting or a building a physical thing it's a spiritual thing that lives in the minds of people and you can't tear it down you can't uh, destroy it um, and it connects with so many other activities you know that we do in our lives you look at the amazing songs that the Beatles wrote um, and I can probably sing a hundred Beatles songs and so can everybody else hmm. you know and when Paul McCartney comes to town and he, he does a big show um, you think God bless him you know that he's still around and that he gave us so much you know, and he deserves 10 times what he's got. So as far as American Pie is concerned, Don, you have never come out and admitted this flat out, at least not that I'm aware of, and in doing research over these last couple of nights, but the Joker in the song is Bob Dylan. It doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure that one out. Dylan, in 2017, who of course is uh, as big of an a-hole as he is a great songwriter, didn't take too kindly to being called uh, the uh, the jester, excuse me, I said Joker a little bit earlier, didn't get, take too kindly to be call, well, being called the jester. What do you think about his response to that? Um, I don't really care. Uh, I did, I never said he was that. Uh, I never said he was a jester. Um, I, in fact, we put a definition of jester in there. And his son, uh, Jacob Dylan, uh, I went to see him, and he is fantastic. He's such a nice person, and he's such a good songwriter and performer. Knock me out. So my girlfriend loves him. So we sat on his bus and talked, and before we left, he said, now, you got to tell me if my dad is the jester. <laughs> and I said, well, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I, I can't really tell you. And, he, and then as I left, I said to him, but he'd make a real good jester, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great so, response but see, to that. The thing about it is, 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 and this is one thing I, in this movie, um, in this movie, um, which is The Day the Music Died, the story of Don McLean's American Pie, I pick up the guitar and I start to talk about every single thing that I meant as I was writing, what I was thinking, what I, what, there's stuff in there that means nothing that I just threw in there. Hmm. There's stuff in there that means a lot more than people realize in terms of where, where I was in terms of writing it. And I said, look, you know, I mentioned James Dean in, in the song, a coat he borrowed from James Dean. So I wasn't above mentioning names of people in the song. But when I mentioned the king, I say the king had a thorny crown. Only Christ had a thorny crown. So, But you can still see it as Elvis Presley, hmm. because it can mean number uh, several things. So, you know... Uh, that was the fun of writing it, you know, is that I was, I wanted to get a dream quality so that you couldn't really tack down anything. You know how when you dream something and you can't remember the dream, but it made perfect sense while you were dreaming it. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to get something like that into this with words. And I structured the song like a folk song. There are a lot of 
aspects to it. It has a what we call a vamp and a coda. The vamp is the slow part of a popular song, and the coda is the slow down at the end of a popular song. Some, usually they cut those off and just sing what's in the middle. Um, for example, over, if I were to sing, over the ground lies a mantle of white, a heaven of diamonds shines through the night. Two hearts are thrilling in spite of the chill in the weather. Love knows no season, love knows no clime. Romance can blossom any old time. Here in the open, we're walking and hoping together. Beat, sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? Hmm. In the lane. So I just sang you the vamp, which nobody sings. Wow. They just start in with sleigh bells ring, you see. Almost every pop song had this. So American Pie has this a long, long time ago is the vamp. And then we move into lyric, verse, lyric, verse, or rather chorus, verse, chorus, verse, four chorus verses. And that's very much like a Woody Guthrie song like Roll On Columbia, uh, you know, with talk about these mighty men labored by day and by night. Seldom you see such a beautiful sight, matching their strength against the river's wild flight. Roll on, Columbia, roll on. Then the chorus, roll on, Columbia, roll on. Roll on, Columbia, roll on. Your power is turning our darkness to dawn. So roll on, Columbia, roll on. Next verse. So it's it's somewhat like a folk song there. Yeah. And then it's set to a rock and roll beat. So it's rock and roll, the chorus. So it's all three kinds of music in that one song that I understand, which is old-fashioned popular music, early rock and roll and folk music. And what I love about folk music is the the fact that it is so useful. So you now have American Pie just on that level. Kids, little kids, maybe will buy this little book, American Pie the Fable, and Mommy and Daddy will want them to hear American Pie the song. So they'll have the little book and the little song, and then they'll go to bed. And then as they get older, they want to, well, what is that song about? You know, and you'll find out about Buddy Holly and uh, Richie Valens. And then you'll find out about America and you'll have this movie to watch. And you'll say, well, why did they kill Robert Kennedy and, and, and Jack Kennedy and Martin Luther King and, 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 and so many others, even possibly uh, John Lennon? Why did they kill all those people during that time period? And asking questions. This is the function of a song that is not just pure entertainment. So all this is wrapped up in that one song and more. And I talk about it in this movie. Just so you know, Don, there are a seven and five year old in my household right now who are <laughs> familiar with the song because we bought the book first. And we have had some of those conversations, including a <laughs> hard conversation about MLK so far. And that includes some uh, alternate theories with regards to who actually killed MLK and why? Well, every one of those is, in my opinion, and you probably cut this out, but it's a state crime, every one of them. Completely. Yeah, Edgar Hoover was behind them all, in my opinion. Completely agreed. I am not cutting that out because everybody needs to know that truth, uh, despite the fact that the official narratives may suggest otherwise. This is, this is the interesting thing. If, if, now we have 40, 62 years later, or 60 years later, we still have the government withholding evidence on the Kennedy assassination. That makes them complicit automatically. There's absolutely no reason why we can't see everything. It is infuriating. Everybody's dead. It's infuriating. But, see, that, but that, makes, that is proof of the fact 
that they are conspirators and they are still involved in covering this up. They're still doing it. So that's that's the interesting thing. Uh, I had to wait all these years. I was studying this thing in in college. I read immediately read um, Mark Lane's book, Rush to Judgment. But if you go on YouTube, you will see a movie called Rush to Judgment, which he did, which is which you cannot get on DVD. I don't know why, but everyone should see that movie if they're at all interested in the Kennedy assassination, because he goes and interviews these good old boys there in Texas. And these are boys that know what a gun sounds like, okay? Mm-hmm. They know what a gun does, they know what it sounds like, and they know when they hear a bullet from a certain direction, and they know what gunpowder looks like, and these are guys that work for the railroad, and they're all good Christian men, and they're all scared shitless, because yep. they don't they know something's up, and yet they, they have an obligation to tell the truth. Fascinating movie. Uh, the Rush to Judgment, Mark Lane. You, you can get it. You can see it on YouTube. I, you should see it. You, I, you'd be amazed. Yeah, I'm going to check that out later this afternoon. And another more recent movie is what Oliver Stone did with JFK Revisited. There's a two and four hour version of this, and it's based on the documents that were released as a result of him fighting to have those documents released uh, from his JFK movie in the early 1990s. I mean, it makes it such an open and shut case with regards to who was actually responsible for having Kennedy killed back in 1963. Well, you can go on YouTube and you can see E. Howard Hunt on his deathbed with tubes in his nose That's and right. dying. And his son, a guy named St. James Hunt, interviews him. He tells exactly what killed Kennedy. Yep. He was the guy that paid a million dollars. See, the Watergate is connected to the assassination. Hmm. That's the thing that was panicking Nixon. That's the thing that was panicking Nixon. They're connected. E. Howard Hunt. Hunt was the head of the plumbers. Every one of those plumbers was a CIA Bay of Pigs veteran. That's, Every one of them. That's right. E. Howard Hunt, Hunt was E. I, e. Howard Hunt was one of the tramps that day in Dallas too. That's look. Hunt talks on his deathbed about how and why and this conspiracy to assassinate JFK was on go in in Florida in Chicago in Dallas they had it all set up they could they they were going to get him somewhere near there and he knew it he knew it he he cut short a trip to Chicago because there was a lot of word on this but he was too macho to to act afraid and have a you know bubble top on the car and a beautiful weather or whatever so he 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 did what he did, and um, but uh, no, there's it, it, it's been it's been going on for so long, and there's so there's so much humor around oh the grassy you know you know and all this stuff that people have shut down on it. But actually, the principals involved, this guy E. Howard Hunt, is talking about it on his deathbed. So, you know. The facts are, are out there, and uh, I really commend Oliver Stone. I would love to meet him and tell him how much I respect him for making that JFK movie because he got all that stuff that um, the guy who wrote Crossfire, Jim Mars, who's a Texan, mm-hmm. but he is a, 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 down the line. There are a whole lot of other people that did a lot of research 
before he came along and put it all in one place pretty accurately. So there were a lot of people that... Um, there's also a very interesting uh, comparison of photographs of Lee Harvey Oswald, uh, which are, show uh, split-face composites um, and, and, and how these backyard photos were completely fraudulent. And, hmm. and that the fact that Oswald was uh, in the sights of the government years before uh, he went uh, and worked at that book depository. And, oh, by the way, and get married to a, a KGB agent's daughter and <laughs> tell the government you were going to tell them all of the secrets you knew when you were in Japan working in, you know, uh, on the uh, uh, U2 project that you have to, oh, I want to come home. Okay, come on back. We'll give you your passport, give you a flight home. No problem, you know. <laughs> come on, man. That's it's ridiculous. You and I could talk for another hour about the JFK assassination, <laughs> Don. I'm I have sorry. a feeling. I'm sorry about that. Uh, no, that's, that's... You don't want to get me started. <laughs> that's fine. I'm, I'm from Dallas originally. It's one of the few interesting things to come out of that area is one of the most important moments in the history of this country and this world, if we're being completely honest about things. Uh, well, it could have happened in Florida, could have happened in Chicago. That's right. Uh, Dallas is no more to blame than those places would have been because they were after him. That's right. Tampa was uh, was prior to Dallas, and as you said, Chicago prior to that. All right, last question, uh-huh. Don, because you uh, apparently initially came up with a more upbeat verse for American Pie where the music gets reborn at the end, but you ditched it because you didn't see America improving intellectually or politically as you said at the time, or as you said more recently, it was going steadily downhill, and so was the music. Do you still agree with that sentiment? Oh, I'm sorry to say I really do. Hmm. I, I think computers are going to make better music than I hear now, and I think it's going to happen in the next five to ten years. You're going to have records made completely by computers. The voice on the computer and the song written is going to be written by the computer, and they're going to they're going to take these computers, which are going to get more and more sophisticated, more and more able to to collate uh, enormous amounts of information. And uh, you're going to put all the music, uh, you know, the Beatles and Bach and Beethoven and Dylan and, you know, whoever else songwriters in this thing. And it's going to come up with amazing stuff because that brain is going to be much stronger than the brains that are out there now because the brains that are out there now are giving their brains over to that brain. Everybody's giving their brain over to the, the iPad and the telephone. They can't remember anything because it's all on their damn phone. Yep. So that brain is going to be a hell of a lot stronger than any human brain that's out there and more creative, too. To your point, Don, a Google engineer was apparently put on leave recently after claiming that chatbots can now express thoughts and feelings. So as soon as AI can tap into emotion, that's it for us. We're done. So, yeah, we're working very diligently to eliminate ourselves as being necessary. And uh, <laughs> and we're, we're good at everything, so I'm sure we'll succeed. <laughs> he is the legendary Don McClain. He's going to be here in Austin this Sunday. You can get tickets for his show at the Paramount Theater. It is in celebration of the 50th anniversary of the release of American Pie by going to austintheater.org. Don, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for 
the efforts that you've made over your lifetime with regards to music and otherwise. Greatly appreciate the conversation, and uh, best of luck with things, sir. Well, thanks for letting me ramble on. I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, I'm so glad your kids like the book and they like the song and that um, they're asking these questions. And um, I thought your interview was remarkable. You didn't interrupt me. A lot of people, they're interrupting you all the time and you lose your train of thought. I thought you were very good. Thank you very much for allowing me to, to talk. Thank you to Joshua Bates for the video editing and animation for those watching the video right now. You can hit him up on Instagram at Forager Digital. Thank you, as always, to Gentleman Jesus, the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at GentlemanJesus.com. And thanks to you for hanging out. You can watch, listen, learn, and connect for free at BooksOnPod.com. For Books on Pod, I'm Trey Elling. Good day.